Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include How Time Flies, Part 2 of my interview with Mike Smith on lenders' insurable risk, and the bond market's latest reaction to the Omicron variant. I'd like to thank this week's podcast sponsor, Lockton, the largest privately held global insurance broker, which focuses on property and casualty insurance and employee benefits insurance programs. Lockton has a specialized lender services group focused on quantifying and analyzing specific insurance needs to adequately minimize regulatory and balance sheet risks. They have a keen focus on firms within the mortgage banking arena specializing in errors and emissions, or ENO, fidelity bond, DNO, and cyber liability. Lockton acts as an extension of your firm's risk management team by procuring insurance policies and seeing claims through from start to finish, like a data breach or ENO claim. Brian C. writes, I was surprised when I got a new Tesla. Instead of the new car smell, it had an Elon Musk. <laughs> Tesla was founded 18 years ago. Time flies. For 20 months now, mortgage rates have been driven by pandemic news like Moderna's announcement this morning that existing vaccines will likely struggle with the Omicron variant. We'll receive the new conforming amounts for 2022 later this morning. It's been 20 years since Beatles' George Harrison died. 41 years since John Lennon was shot and killed. It's the last day of November, and October is well in the rearview mirror, but yesterday we learned that NARS pending home sales rose 7.5% in October. Demand is still strong, which echoes what I've been hearing in my chats with MLOs around the nation. According to Lawrence Yun, NARS chief economist, quote, motivated by fast rising rents and the anticipated increase in mortgage rates, consumers that are on strong financial footing are signing contracts to purchase a home sooner rather than later, end quote. He believes that total existing home sales in 2021 will exceed 6 million, which will shape up to be the best performance in 15 years. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome on to the show Mike Smith a client advisor at Lockton Companies. He enjoys a diverse client base that includes traditional banks, non-bank lenders, subservicers, and public companies with hefty D&O risk. Before focusing on risk management and corporate insurance, Mike worked as a senior loan consultant for Bank of America in the one-time closed construction lending group. He carved out a niche several years ago for non-bank lenders to procure corporate insurance policies that were customized for their specific business makeup. The end goal is always the perfect balance between risk philosophy, product access, and GSE slash regulatory compliance. How does Lockton specifically keep lenders compliant with the various insurance regulatory requirements? As a former loan officer myself, um, I was at Bank of America before and and just seeing the rise in non-bank lenders, um, I saw a unique opportunity uh, just knowing the GSE guidelines. Um, So when you look at both on the commercial and the resi side, um, the guidelines are pretty clear, uh, but there is different lingo and different nomenclature within the insurance business and within the mortgage banking community. And so if you look at the seller service or guides, most people, if you have one Fannie Mae loan or one Freddie Mac loan, you have to adhere to those guidelines. So we pretty much know those guidelines within our team. We check in with our clients on a quarterly basis to look at what their origination volume run rates are, to look at what their servicing UPB is. We match that up. 
uh, with the seller servicer guides. We also look at the investor contracts that are in place, find out which ones are the most onerous, uh, and then make sure uh, that we are doing a double check on behalf of our clients so that they can ensure that they're being compliant so that there's no red flags when and if uh, there's an audit or a check uh, from any GSE or any investor. Let's talk about some of how you're advising clients. What are you advising your clients on with regard to COVID and vaccine mandates? Lockton has taken the stance that we will not be an early adopter. And so we are passing that along. Uh, We are definitely going to do the wait and see uh, type of thing. We, As you can see in the Wall Street Journal or in the news, uh, there are several folks that want their people back in the office and they want them back tomorrow and they are willing to go uh, to to those extremes to make sure that people are vaccinated. Uh, You do have some companies who are taking a hybrid role saying, you know, hey, my my sales staff or my client facing staff, we are going to mandate the vaccine. For So, you know, from our standpoint, we are simply just to give you a gray answer, we are simply going to advise what fits within the culture of your operation. And I'll tell you, Robbie, this is more about attracting and retaining your employee base than anything else. So we are seeing responses all over the map, which is why we are not saying car blanche, hey, you should definitely go this direction. You should definitely go that direction. Uh, in in the mortgage lending community, for example, you know, as we face a shrinking marketplace and the big focus on purchase, I think firms are going to need to be extremely flexible uh, with this going forward. So um, I think it's a balancing act uh, depending on what your human capital management strategy is, uh, because we do talk with clients a lot around structuring employee benefits programs. How do you attract those folks, do we need the 401k? Do we need the HSAs? Do we need all the medical, all the typical stuff you get when you sign up for being an employee? But this vaccine question is coming up more and more. So we are helping those HR teams really try to say, what is the message and what is the narrative that fits within your culture that you would like to spread down you know, to that level? If you're a distributed retail uh, type of an operation, um, you know, every, every unique state or city or office or branch uh, is going to have their unique take on it. So uh, we, our suggestion is remain fluid, um, you know, keep the messaging borderline, be comfortable, do what makes you feel comfortable. If you want to stay at home, stay at home for right now. Let's wait until Q1, uh, Q2 to see what the rest of the industry is doing. Another hot topic in the industry is how companies are attracting and retaining talent. And that can be very costly, depending on how you go about it. How are you advising clients on their ability to attract and retain talent? You know, there's definitely a mindset, and this is more of a personal one where, you know, you can you can have a high performer, just to use an example, uh, that you pay $100,000 that can be extremely effective. Arguably, they can do three to four to five people's jobs, right? Just because they have uh, a unique vision and a skill set to view strategy. So if you look at an operational role, um, I would say to attract and retain that type of talent, you're definitely having to pay a lot more. Um, A lot of folks are focused on the low margin business and don't want to pay as much. So I think you're, you're looking more at efficiency, uh, you know, versus having, you know, three people that are paid $50,000 that arguably it does take a little bit more management and oversight and you're spending more time on accountability 
uh, and what we refer to as a span of control, right? How many people are, are under your, your management, for example. So really tightening that up. Uh, so I would say, you know, what is your philosophy there? Uh, are, are you willing to pay for quality? Uh, number two, does it matter from a remote office standpoint? Everyone is all over the map right now uh, with COVID. And I'll tell you, if you look at Indeed or any of these job posting sites, if there is a remote or even a hybrid operation where you can come in two days a week, or it is 100% remote and you can work from you know, Idaho, they are seeing uh, some people that that have a great skill set, and you're seeing the in the newspaper, you know, the mass exodus from the workforce. People are focused on flexibility these days. So we're having a lot of conversations around how how do you roll people back into the office if that's your stance, or what is the model going to look like going forward? Are we lowering our commercial real estate footprint and allowing service from anywhere, operating on a cloud basis? So. I would say it seems to be that the marketplace is telling us that they want remote work. Um, so we're going to follow that trend until we see otherwise. Let's close with a broad but important question here. What's the process you take to help companies identify risk? If you look at if it's a lender or a servicer, it's really all about you know playing doctor. How do we diagnose what they're doing, right? Are they a wholesale model? Are they correspondent? Are they solely distributed retail? Is it a mix of that? Are they retaining servicing? How much of their UPB is Ginny May? How much of it is GSE? How much of it is non-QM, for example? So it's really diagnosing where, where is their makeup of their loans? Who are their clients? Who's their investor base? They're investing in these on the secondary market. So it, that's the first step. The second step is to overlay what are the actual insurance policies that they have to have from a contractual standpoint. So that's step two. So we lay out a heat map. Uh, we obviously have cyber liability and ransomware on there, uh, directors and officers risk. Uh, errors and omissions. Uh, you also have workers' compensation, right? The the kind of basics there. Uh, but then also looking at unique things. If you're an international company, right? Do you need a kidnap and ransom policy? Um, that that's a crazy one. But the big one I would say um, that that people are overlooking. You asked that question earlier. Is around business interruption costs for a technology company. So you look at like a CoreLogic, or you look at a Auction.com, or you look at any of these LOS or POS providers. If they go down, and a mortgage lender can't run their operation, what is the risk there? Right? What is the lawsuit risk? What is the quantifiable risk to that? And that is insurable. Uh, and so you know sometimes you, you probably can't buy as much insurance as you would like if if that's the case. But looking at that technology business interruption piece of it, I would say is pretty big uh, as well. Uh, but then the final piece there, Robbie, to identifying the risk is to overlay that with the risk tolerance and the risk philosophy of the organizations. We have some servicers and some originators that say, you know, we want to buy the least amount of insurance as possible because, you know, we have a very robust legal team and we have a robust strategy uh, to handle lawsuits uh, when they come in. We have others who are extremely conservative uh, and and say, you know what, if insurance is just a form of capital, I'm willing to transfer that risk to a third party. And that way I can release the funds that I would potentially hold an escrow to reserve for future losses. So it's really getting down to this risk finance discussion is the last piece of it. Uh, because what we didn't touch on 
was the insurance marketplace right now is not an easy place. Uh, we are in what we refer to as a hard market. Uh, insurance prices uh, have been rising and there's not as much capacity. So it's just where we're at in the cycle. So we're actually teaching our clients how to not buy insurance at the end to say, how would you run your business if insurance didn't even exist? So that's really kind of how we like to, to overlay that. Uh, but once again, it starts with a heat map and a joint discussion with the client to say, are we all in agreement where the biggest, where the top three risks are, where the top four or five risks are. Uh, and then we label those insurable or not, and then take it from there. Well, that's all fantastic info. And I think this is great for our listeners and I enjoyed it as well. So I want to thank you for making the time and coming on to talk to me today. Awesome. Thanks so much, Robbie. The next time this industry is looking for fresh blood, maybe we should pay attention to the kids playing on the seesaw. They're well-equipped to handle the back-and-forth of intraday rate changes. After the new Omicron COVID variant was announced on Friday, driving prices in the bond markets higher as investors sought less risky assets, markets were calmer yesterday to start the week after doctors in South Africa reported the symptoms as being extremely mild, forcing investors to reassess their worst-case scenarios for the new virus strain. The prediction from the WHO that it will take weeks to analyze and understand this variant and how it may be affected by vaccines has countries around the globe taking measures to protect their people and their economies, which should in turn hurt growth prospects. Talk is now that the Fed may be unable to resist tightening as another COVID wave raises the prospects of further disruptions, exacerbating an inflation problem. Others say that rate hike odds have dropped since Fed Chairman Powell was renominated last week. Powell speaks today in the wake of more Fed officials showing comfort with increasing the pace of tapering and raising rates more quickly. The minutes released last week from the most recent FOMC meeting showed that various participants noted that the committee should be prepared to adjust the pace of asset purchases and raise the target rate for the federal funds rate sooner than participants currently anticipated if inflation continues to run higher than levels consistent with the committee's objectives. Yesterday afternoon, the desk released a new MBS purchase schedule covering the November 30th to December 13th period, which averages $4.8 billion per day, as expected. There are largely no changes to coupons versus the prior schedules. Today's schedule sees the desk purchasing up to $4.4 billion of conventional MBS across 30-year 2% and 2.5% and 15-year 1.5% and 2%. Treasury will conduct two buyback operations with the first targeting up to $2.8 billion of 7-year to 10-year coupons followed by $1.6 billion of 22.5-year to 30-year coupons. Today's month-end calendar gets underway shortly with Red Book Same Store sales after yesterday's sold data point of October pending home sales which were up 7.5% when expectations were only for a 0.7% increase. That will be followed by the more important September home price increases from S&P slash Case-Shiller and FHFA, which will dictate the conforming loan limit for 2022. Expectations are for that limit to be just shy of 650000 After those releases are Chicago PMI for November, Consumer Confidence for November, Dallas Fed Texas Services, and at least four Fed speakers, Chairman Powell, New York's Williams, Vice Chair Clarita, and Cleveland's Bester in addition to Treasury Secretary Yellen. We begin Tuesday with agency MBS prices better by a quarter and the 10-year yielding 1.44 after closing yesterday at 1.53% due to Moderna announcing that vaccines may not be effective against the Omicron variant. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. My girlfriend said, you haven't been listening to a word I said. I thought to myself, that was a weird way to start a conversation.
If you're looking for proactive guidance and unique strategies to stay compliant while also reducing your firm's total cost of risk related to insurance, please contact Lockton's Lender Services Group at lenderservices at lockton.com. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the Daily Mortgage News commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.